Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Guest today is Nancy Thomason, and our topic is honoring a young child's death. In February 2000, Nancy Thomason's 17-month-old son, Cade, died due to a brain tumor. At the time of Cade's death, Nancy vowed to fight the disease in honor of her son. Nancy founded the Oklahoma Brain Tumor Foundation and began the first organization for brain tumor patients in Oklahoma. Nancy talks candidly about her deep faith in God and divinely inspired mission and passion to not let her son's grief suffering, and death be without reason. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Hi, thank you. Hi, Nancy. It's great to have you on the show. Heidi and I have just been so impressed with the work you've been doing and and with your website. Um, Could you give folks your website address? It's okbtf.org. It's just the acronym for the Oklahoma Brain Tumor Foundation. Yes, leading us into uh, tell us about Cade and tell us about founding the foundation. Well, Cade, he was um, an amazing child. He was only 12 weeks old when he was diagnosed and um, just was a normal little boy running around giving his big brother a hard time. And um, he was, we found out the cancer had spread right before his first birthday, so he ended up having his second brain surgery right before his So first. when he was 12 weeks old, you found out that he had a brain yeah, surgery? Yeah, I was, I was yeah. wondering, how, how did you know at 12 weeks that something was wrong? Well, I thought he was blind. Um, You know, mothers, we try not to compare our kids. You know, they don't always, um, you know, come along as fast as your first one or, you know, aren't walking or, you know, grabbing or just different milestones that, you know, children have. And so I was trying not to compare him to my oldest. And um, and then I started, you know, doing more like little tests and stuff on his eyes, and he wasn't responding. And so I really thought he was blind. And went took him to the doctor, and thank God she was, um, sm- you know, smart enough pediatrician because brain tumors are really um, very often misdiagnosed in children. Mm-hmm. And she just recognized the symptoms and sent us on for a CAT scan, which showed that he had um, water on his brain. And so that just began a, you know, a whirlwind of. You know, went straight to the hospital, you know, immediately had surgery to relieve the pressure. And it was amazing when he came out of the surgery, it was like he saw me for the first time. Because the water was putting pressure on his optic nerves, which Mm -hmm. was causing his eyes to do this thing where they call it sunsetting. So, um, and, but he, you know, he was just like a new new baby after that. And it was on his new hope. Yes, it was just amazing to you know, and he just started coming along just like a normal normal child after that. So um, now, were you aware that the tumor was malignant at that time? No, it was so small, and it was on his brain stem that we couldn't biopsy it or 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 do anything with it without fear of you know it could have killed him during the surgery, or he could have been extremely disabled from it. So we opted to watch it, um, and we had to do an MRI every month, and that took, you know, we we did that for about a year, and we were just getting ready to move to an MRI every other month whenever we um, noticed 
I noticed the same kind of symptoms in him again mm-hmm. and took him back to the doctor, and that's when we found really in a matter of two weeks the tumor had tripled in size and spread down his spine. Wow. So that started the uh, – then we immediately had another brain surgery, and that was on his first birthday. And then we started chemotherapy the next day, and we ended up um, losing him um, in February of 2000. Mm. At 17 months? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awful. So, and yeah. how old was his brother at the time? He was seven. Seven, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he's uh, he's, how old? he's 13. He's 13 now. And do you have other children? No, no. That's mm-hmm. just those two. And I had my tubes tied after I had my, my, my youngest son because I thought, well, you know, I'd be happy with two boys. And mm-hmm. So I kind of regret, regretted that since. But mm-hmm. Now, you were talking, uh, as Heidi was reading the, of the information about how that you were, felt like you were inspired to start this foundation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I've always felt like I had this calling on my life. It was something I was supposed to be doing, but I didn't really know what it was. And I felt for years I was searching and changed my degree a million times while I was in college. And um, after my son was diagnosed, it was just like a hammer hit me on the head because there wasn't any resources out there for um, for brain tumor families. Mm-hmm. And specifically for brain tumor families. There are a lot of resources for families who have a child with cancer, but the situations and the things that you go through with a child with with brain cancer are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, you know, it was was literally like God just hit me over the head with a hammer and said, this is what I have for you to do. Mm -hmm. I just never at the time did it ever occur to me that he would die. You know, I thought I would go on and start this organization, and he would be fine. And so there was no. You did. Did you do any grief work while he was ill at the end? I mean, did you feel like you started to grieve his the loss of him, or did you hold on to hope until after he had died? I think I held on to hope, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until probably. Well, we had to make the decision to stop treatment on him, and it was at that time. When I when we made that decision, that it you know finally came to me mm-hmm. that I was going to have to you know that I was going to lose him. Wondered for those folks out there who have had had to do that themselves and are questioning or feeling guilt. Do you have any thoughts around that? Well, it was it was the most difficult, obviously the most difficult decision I've ever had to make in my life. Um, we just were in a situation where we had tried everything, and the only thing that was left to try would have just—they couldn't give us a whole, you know, whole lot of hope with it. And the treatment didn't have um, the percentage, the chance that it was going to help him was very, very small, and he was going to have to go through much, through so much in order to go through the treatment. They were—it would have required three spinal taps a week. And I couldn't see putting him through that. And he had gone from being a healthy 35-pound baby. Wow, he was big. Yes, he. I have I have <laughs> healthy babies. Yes. <laughs> they take after their mama. <laughs> um, and he was down to 17 pounds. Oh, my goodness. And I just couldn't put him through, through anymore. Um, and I just feel, I felt like, 
you know, we had to make the decision to, to concentrate on making the time that we had left with him as comfortable um, and full of love and and, and um, not pain, you know. So you, you took him home and he, he didn't need to go to the hospital anymore at that point, is that right? Right, yeah. And, and how long was he at home? How long did he live after that? About three weeks. Mm-hmm. And and what about his brother? How did you include him in it, or what did you do with this? Or do you, you know, did you prepare him? Or yeah, I did. Yeah. What's, what's his name? His name is Rain. 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 Uh huh. Rain, like rain out of the sky. Uh, yeah, like. <laughs> and it was really difficult because we had talked so much about um, that he was going to be healed. You know, when I just believed God was going to heal him and everything was going to be okay. And there was a time specifically where I remember I was at home with both of them and my youngest, Cade, was laying on the floor. And at this time he could still take a bottle. He was drinking his bottle and his big brother was laying down beside him. And um, I just was bawling. Mm -hmm. And my rain was like, Mama, why are you crying? And I said, you know, baby, because... You know, Cade is, he's really sick. He said, Mama, don't cry. Cade's going to be fine. God's going to heal Cade. Mm-hmm. So still still had the hope. How is Rain doing with it now after these years, do you? He is very wise beyond his years. Mm-hmm. Um, it He has insights, you know, that a normal 13-year-old wouldn't have. He um, is just a lot more mature. He, he's doing really well. Now, will he be coming to the conference? Because there are a lot of wonderful teenage programs going on there at their hiding. Yes, in fact, there are, and I've talked to him about it, and I've even talked to him about um, in doing the keynote with me. Oh, oh yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. You know, um, one of the things that we find that we found at the conference is there are a lot of uh, what do I want to call them? Only children that are there at their hiding. Children that are the surviving child, right, and they didn't have—they don't have any other surviving siblings, right? Yeah, and, and they really fact, understand each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do a teen workshop and uh, for teens, and I'd love to have him there. We really need the teenage voice. We do not have the teenage voice enough because you know teens don't want to stand up and talk a lot. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. they want to kind of be private. So, I mean, it's so important for us to hear what they're going through and what's helped them and what hasn't helped them, and right. Um, well, that's what I told him. I said, you know, he goes, well, what would I say? And I said, well, baby, what would you tell? You know, you're talking to a young boy that has just lost, you know, his little brother. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? What was the one thing that you could tell him that would help him have some hope and know that it's going to be okay and mm-hmm. and um, that you could that you could give him, the one word of advice that you could give him? And, Did he have one? He's been thinking about it. He's like, he says, I don't know. And also, you know. And also what things didn't help. Right. So there are things that didn't help, and, and, and how are his, like, you know, so oftentimes teenagers say their parents, Now I don't know how you are, I'll have to ask you, their parents become overprotective and really worried about them because they've lost children, and they're worried that, you know, something's going to happen to their surviving children. Right. Yeah, I would say I've struggled with that. Yeah, and I know kids say that's a little hard for them, especially when you're a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're trying to get Now, do you, did you early on really monitor him for illness or things like that in your own mind, Rain, without trying to do it? I would imagine parents would be. He is extremely healthy. He mm-hmm. never gets sick. 
I'm mm-hmm. so fortunate. I think I, I, I do, and, and it's always in the back of his mind because he had a not, uh, in, uh, oh gosh, a inflamed a gland behind his ear. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a really hard nodule. Mm-hmm. Okay, and of course, I'm like freaking out, you know. <laughs> I'm going, okay, let's go to the doctor, you know. And the doctor said, well, if it doesn't go away with this or that, or, you know, we're going to do this test or do that test. And, the, and then Rain, was, Rain goes, oh, my God, it's cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, because okay. your mind immediately would go there. Right, you know. And I said, no, it's not. Don't even talk like that. It's just an inflamed gland. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, they have lost a bit of innocence, haven't they? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you just that you know you. I don't know. It's a it can be a blessing and a cursing at the same time. And yeah. and the yeah. research does show exactly what you're saying with Rain that kids that have gone through this. I know parents get worried. Kids that have gone through the death of a sibling are more mature and see the world differently than children that haven't had a loss. Mm-hmm. And they do have compassion, and uh, they develop a whole a whole area there. And they have more empathy. Yeah. they're more yeah. resilient. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I know Rain's teachers at school are always commenting to me on how he gets, like if they'll say in a kind of an adult inside joke, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe just between teachers or something, and he gets it. Mm-hmm. And they and it just always kind of, you know, freaks him out a little bit that he's um, on that level with that, that much insight into mm-hmm. life, you know. But I think that, um, and I try to, uh, I want Rain to understand that I don't believe anything in life happens by chance. Mm-hmm. And that we're, we've been dealt this card and it's up to us to, um, to, to see what it is that we're supposed to do with this in our life. I don't know what that is for So him. you're looking for meaning with yeah, it. Yeah. And what, that's one of the things Heidi and I talk about down the road is meaning. But that, those, that first year, it's pretty hard to, to find. Oh, the first year, you know, it's impossible to find meaning in it. Um, now, I'm interested that you, you started the energy, the engine that started your foundation was your son's brain tumor, the Oklahoma Brain Tumor Foundation. Right. Do you think you could have done that the first year if you'd started it after he died? Well, I did. You I started did. it the first year after yeah, he died? Yeah, I did. Oh, wow. I, thought you were, um, I thought you were thinking about it before. Well, he, he, when he died, I, start, I started, like, he died in February. The first support group meeting I held was in April. Wow, that's amazing. First advocacy event I did was in in July, and that's kind. That's how I handled my grief. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of actively grieved. Uh, yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very interesting because the first support group meetings that we used to have were very much centered around how I was responding to what I was going through. I mean, there was, uh, you know, when I was angry, there was a time that I found. Um, that I just wanted to break things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you don't want to break things in the house. You're trying to do it constructively. And so I found that I would go to garage sales and get clay pots because I would break them up and I'd put them in the bottom of my my big pots for drainage. Oh, that's a great idea. I like that. So I, like I would that. throw them. I'd throw them against the wall right. outside. I've heard people talk about breaking dishes, buying some old dishes and breaking them. Yeah, I just made me, I mean, it just felt so much 
so good. I love the clay pot idea and putting them in there. That's a great idea. Yeah, because it didn't break up in the little shards. uh, Heidi and I were wondering, what was your past history of loss? Had you had any family losses early on? No. um, My family's all quite a bit older. I was adopted when Mm -hmm. I was a small baby, and so my parents are quite a bit older, and so my family's older. You know, I've, I've lost my grandparents, which... Um, made a, a big impact on me. Now, were you younger when they died? Mm, no, I was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather died a few years before Cade was born, and then my grandmother died shortly after Cade died. Okay, we we were wondering because we, we're still kind of amazed uh, that you could you know start this whole brain foundation so early. However, it's don't you think, Heidi? That, yeah, don't you think, Heidi, that this shows people's different responses to loss? Absolutely, and I'm thinking it was kind of a parallel process because while you were starting the foundation, you were able to tell your story and kind of work through mm-hmm. your own grief as well. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's very much how I how I handled my grief, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit and say that it was probably the smartest thing. Um, because yeah, would you I'd, talk about that? Yeah. Maybe it's not the smartest thing to jump in. <sighs> We all are still dealing with the, you know, you don't want to, um, when I stop, you know, it's six years after my son died, I, I've kept myself so busy mm-hmm. so as to not sit and dwell and think and, you know, and when I would get to that point at home where I was so sad and I was I was just in, enveloped in depression that um, I would get up and I would go to my computer and I would start writing a grant or I would start ah. working on a support group um, newsletter. What were you doing before you uh, formed the foundation? I was a grant writer mm-hmm. and I was working for World Neighbors, which is an international development agency that um, the headquarters is here in Oklahoma City. And so I was kind of working in the... That's a nonprofit, right? Right, mm-hmm. yes. So it kind of, I really feel now, I mean, I can look back over my life and I can see how God's just kind of been preparing me to -hmm. take on this role, Um, the different people that he's brought into my life and and the jobs and that have really prepared me to to take this on. Now Now what are you doing with the foundation now? Well, we... We concentrate on helping families that have a primary brain tumor and central nervous system tumors with their day-to-day needs. A big portion of that is our financial assistance program, which really helps set us apart from most other cancer advocacy organizations because we provide $1,000 per family per year of assistance, um, which is... Now, is this nationally... No, this is just in the state mm-hmm. of Oklahoma. Oh, in the state of Oklahoma. Uh-huh. And we um, have our supportive services program, which helps to coordinate services with other agencies and organizations within the state, um, support groups. We have an a, a education program that I'm really proud of um, where we do patient, physician, and caregiver education through we have physician CME classes, um, in conferences, we do have the website and print material, and we really just take the hand of these families and join them in the fight. And, and hopefully, we get the referral on the family early enough to really be a resource for them. Now, now I, when you say the fight against brain tumors, is that what, what you're saying? 
Yes. You know, whenever they're first diagnosed, I feel like is the is the most crucial time to be able to be a part of these families' lives because we can offer so much assistance with um, education and research, um, second opinions. You know, if you've never been there, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And Now, what if there were some folks out there who want, would like to do something like you've done or maybe have had a child die with a brain tumor and would like to set something up in their state? Um, could they get in touch with you to talk about it? Oh, most definitely. And how would they do that? They could reach me at 405-942-6442. That's my office number. And they can also email me from the website. And you've got your number on your website, too, don't you? Yes. Yeah. You know, I've got to say, Nancy, we were saying that, you know, you did it so quickly after Cade died and that most people would wait. But you know what? I think it was such a blessing that you did do it so quickly after Cade died because I feel like you had the energy and the emotion to get this up and running, and you've changed so many lives. Yeah, and you also had the information uh, to well, do exactly, it. You had Mom. the skill set. That's yeah. really important. You had the knowledge firsthand. It was very fresh at that point. Right. And it's uh, it's very difficult to put yourself in that situation, you know, on a daily basis. But I just, you know, without the passion there, I'm not really sure that somebody could do this without just knowing that, you know, it's just so crucial that these families have this help. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like because of the Oklahoma Brain Tumor Foundation that we can help um, improve the quality of life for these families and the patients Mm -hmm. and also um, extend their survival time. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the information and the resources at your fingertips, then you can make informed decisions. Now, what about aftercare? What are you doing when the the children do die? Uh, Are you able to support the families then or... We continue to work with them and we continue to provide financial assistance for up to a year Mm-hmm. for the family after the death, and they stay intimately involved. Typically after we've lost a, um, one of our patients, the family will usually get very much involved um, because of the impact we've had on, on and, you know, the amount of help that we've been able to provide. We're not like a social service agency that you just kind of hear from the case manager, you know, you'd call them when you need something. I mean, we literally call these families on a day, on a weekly basis. We stay in touch with them. Now, do you we, give them the opportunity to give service that, you know, first year or, you know, be involved in a group where they can help out other families? Yes, or, definitely. Because one of the things that we found, isn't it, Heidi, that giving service seems to, where, where people can do it. Right. right, where they can help others that are, less along in their grief journey, and I also love the fact that you are following these families after the death of their children and siblings, because most often, you know, in hospital settings, you get very close to the hospital staff, and then the day your child dies, you never see anybody again. Right. They disappear. Right, exactly. And that's what happened to us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have anybody. I mean, we were completely alone. I often compare it to being in a dark room and feeling around for the light switch. That's how I felt. Because when your child is sick, there's so many people around. And to go from that to nobody, when you you most need people around is when you're grieving oftentimes. Right. And we don't force ourselves on on families. Sometimes they just need to be left alone for a period of time 
and they, you know, but we still call, we still check in and see if there's anything that we can do to help. That's such a good point, Nancy, because uh, Heidi and I often talk on the show about how people do grieve differently. It's mm-hmm. not the same path. Some families like to be connected. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the wonderful thing about Compassionate Friends, too, is if there's a group in your area and there are other support groups with grief groups going on. But you can just drop in or out, and it's it, sometimes it's very important to be connected. I just want to talk a little bit more about what an amazing person we've Nancy is, don't you think? Absolutely. I cannot believe, seriously, all the, the lives she's touched and all the things she's done with regard to brain tumors. It's amazing. Well, it is. Thank you. I really, though, I, I don't like to take the credit for it because it, it's, um, it all is divinely inspired and it comes from God and... It's, um, and Kate he, is with you every step of the way, I'm sure. Very much so. And it's just a, it's a vision that I have been given, so I'm just a tool. And, you know, um, the, the amazing thing, too, is for anybody who's in a nonprofit, because I'm on the board of the Compassionate Friends, the fact that you are able to write these grants and get money to give these people a thousand dollar, you know, grants and things, that's, that's pretty amazing in this world. That is not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to do, right, Grant? Anymore, but you yeah, know, we do what we have to do. That's the way. That's the way it goes. Um, give people your website again, because you got some many wonderful things on your website, and it's so colorful. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. It's um, okbtf.org. Okay. The acronym for the Oklahoma Brain Tumor Foundation. Right. Okay, and you can also Google Nancy Thomason. And you can also go on our website. You'll see the e-card for the show and um, maybe some comments that um, we'll put there for the show today. So, uh, Nancy, if you had a piece of advice for any of those folks out there who are grieving the loss of their child, what would it be? Be patient with yourself. Um, Don't um, expect that you'd be able to... I hear so much from people that they, you know, oh, gosh, I started crying in the store today when I saw this little boy walk by. Well, of course, you know, it's completely normal. and These are just, these are things that we go through as we're grieving, and it's going to take a while to get to a point where that doesn't happen anymore and not to beat yourself up over it. Um, and one other thing, too, I think is especially important is not to try to go back to the life that you had before. Um, And I wrote a little bit about this, and I I don't know if you're going to post it on the website or not, but um, I think so many times that we try to go back. By the way, we will post it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That we try to get back to what we call our, our normal life or what it was like before we experienced the loss. And... I think it's impossible to do that. Yeah, people there's, tell us there's the before and after, don't they, Heidi? Absolutely, and that you need to create a new normal. Because right. the life that we have now is not the life that we had when our, when our loved ones were here. It's a different life. Exactly, and we're not that same person. Mm-hmm. You, there's no way that we can be that same person. But we can, that doesn't mean that life can't be good. But folks will be telling us to try to be that, won't they? Yes. They want the old person back. Right, but you can't be that person because your eyes are opened, your heart is opened, you've experienced things that you hadn't experienced, you have wisdom now that you didn't have. And, um, now, and I, I wanted to ask, Hyde, do you think that's particularly difficult for kids because friends want you to be the same? There are a lot of friends involved. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was I was 20 when Scott died, and my friends had never had a sibling loss, and they all wanted it, me to be normal. Be the old self. Why aren't you being fun again? Why aren't you being the way you used to be? You're so you're different now. You're a different person now. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being, a, you know, having a positive. I've had a positive life, but I am definitely a different person. And like you said about your son, Rain, we're we're wise beyond our years after right. something like this happens. I, I, you know, sometimes you lose friends, mm-hmm. you know, or they go on because they can't accept, you know, who you are now. It doesn't mean that who you are is not as good as the person that you were before. But, I mean, I've experienced that myself mm-hmm. because they can't deal with it themselves. And that that's on them. That's right. not on me. Um, I'm still going to be, you know, we have to do what we have to do to make keep ourselves healthy and to get back to a healthy spot for us. And that is, is not where we were before because when, if you're always looking back, then you can't move forward. Absolutely. And um, I just think it's important that, you know, and I, I see this a lot in marriages as well. Um, you know, the divorce rate is so high in marriages that have lost a child. And it's not really. We'll have to, <laughs> we're constantly dispelling that myth. And uh, the Compassionate Friends has done a uh, study. It's an, e- an email study. You might go on the site, thecompassionatefriends.org, and look at it. They're, the divorce rate is not higher. In fact, it's lower. Really? Yeah, and it's very scary for folks to think that, so. Well, yeah, I want to uh, read that. <laughs> it, does, it definitely puts stress on a marriage. Yeah. And, and marriages do break up, but they said that, like my mom said, the divorce rate is not higher among people that have had a, a death. It just ends up being more stressed initially, and then some families even report feeling in the long run closer to their spouses. Over time. Yeah, over time. It certainly over time. creates a lot of issues. You know, we're going to have to close our show on that note, and I want to thank Nancy for being on the show. It's just been wonderful having you on. Uh, Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.